Hey there, welcome to Be With The Word. I'm Dr. Jerry Creed. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and uh, I am here to talk to you about the Sunday readings and bring in a psychological dimension. Uh, so welcome to Be With The Word. This is episode 76. And uh, we're also celebrating the solemnity of the most holy body and blood of Christ. So this Sunday is Corpus Christi, as it's sometimes known. Um, I'm going to weave in different elements. I had the thought for today that the topic would be, does God want us uh, to be punished and to suffer? And so that's a bit of a gruesome kind of topic. And uh, But what, why I thought that was so many of my clients struggle deep down with a belief that God does simply want to punish and cause us to suffer almost as though God was some kind of you know evil uh, being that was quite happy when we fail and was quick to spot every failing and uh, and so on which seems to contradict right with what we know about God so many of us know God is love or that God uh, is father is the ultimate parent is God as Holy Spirit wants to renew us, that Christ wants reconciliation. We know all those things in our heads, but deep down, we often believe that we're so bad or our actions are so bad that that um, God is out to get us in some way. So I was thinking about that. And I was also thinking about the fact that so often people comment on the Old Testament God seeming more severe and Jesus in the New Testament is is so much more positive and I can understand that um, I I think it's interesting so these readings for example uh, the first one's coming from Exodus and it's a little gruesome if you ask me we really look at it because here we have Moses and uh, he receives the words from God and he wrote it all down and he comes and he um, erects uh, at the foot of an altar, 12 pillars representing the 12 tribes. Um, and then he has a bunch of men offer holocausts and sacrifices of young bulls. So he has these young bulls, they're sacrificed and their blood is collected into large bowls. So this is, in my mind, we're, we're in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom territory here. It feels a little bit, um, half of those, that blood is splashed on the altar and then the other half is sprinkled on the people. So the people are literally covered in blood. So it's that's a remarkable little moment, I think, because we're not used to that. Uh, our sensibilities uh, wouldn't be used to that in the ancient world. Um, you know, sacrifices were, were common uh, uh, to gods, whether that was, in fact, there was some, you know, human sacrifice happening in the ancient world and certainly animal sacrifice. So the, I, I'm not theologically going to get into the whole story of sacrifice because that would be a whole big topic and you can look up other people uh, more qualified to speak on that. I want to relate it to marriage and family therapy work. <laughs> and so I'm thinking about this from a marriage and family therapist perspective and a little bit of developmental psychology. So here we have um, the Israelites, and the reason, in fact, that 
the blood is sprinkled on them is to is in fact to cleanse them in some way of their sins in some way to um, make them acceptable again to God hmm so this is really interesting and then when you go to the Psalms uh, which are also right from the Old Testament and link often to the stories in Exodus here we have really powerful words Psalm 116 is in the readings and it says I will take the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord that sounds really great because we immediately think of you know the cup of wine or whatever the cup of salvation from uh, our Eucharist um, but if this is in the Psalms then this is hearkening probably to that passage in um, Exodus right where the blood is literally sprinkled so the cup of salvation in the Israelite mind is you know this sacrifice this 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 um, uh, this blood and so it says how shall I make a return to the Lord for all the good he has done to me the cup of salvation I will take up and I will call upon the name of the Lord and then he says this this is the most important part precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his faithful ones I am your servant the son of your handmaid you have loosed my bonds and then later I offer sacrifice of thanksgiving Wow, so there seems to be something more going on here. Now, if I look at this from a developmental perspective, when you are a child, you have children and they are young, certainly four-year-olds, five-year-olds, this kind of age, you have to um, correct them. And you're really not explaining a lot and you're not actually um you know expecting them to understand the deeper reasons for why their behaviors can be considered wrong you might start with some you know basic explanations but you're not going to get very complex basically you are going to say to a child who reaches for um, you know touch the stove or who goes to hit their sibling it's going to be a no no you're not allowed to do that right? Or you're going to have to sit in a timeout or whatnot in order to just get the message out there clearly, this is wrong. You can't do this. This will harm you or others. And that seems to be what we get from the Ten Commandments in general. These things are wrong. You don't kill. You don't steal. You don't commit adultery. These things are wrong. If you do them, you will be punished. Right. So there is a, a very strong don't do this kind of message, which comes out pretty clearly in the Old Testament in many places. And yet here in the psalm, we hear precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his faithful ones. So we also hear. Right. How much God loves the people and how much he cares about them. And the whole point of what he's doing is to create a covenant. So the covenant is about relationship and connection. And he wants to bring them to himself. So we hear that he cares. Okay, so that's just important to know. Now, when we go to Hebrews, which is really, again, a fascinating uh, book uh, or letter in the, in the New Testament. 
There are a lot of messages and and a lot in there related to priesthood or the high priesthood of Christ. And it says in Hebrews 9, when Christ came as high priest, right, of the good things that have come to be passing through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made by hands, right, that is that is not belonging to this creation. He entered once for all into the sanctuary. Here we go. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. Right? For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of heifers ashes can sanctify those who are defiled, as in the Old Testament, so that their flesh is cleansed, how much more will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God. So we have this powerful message that Christ came and he's unblemished, right? So much greater than any animal sacrifice that he is the sacrifice that unites us and connects us with God. So he gives totally of himself in order to bring reconciliation, to bring healing, to bring redemption to the people. So this is just this powerful message. And and it says, cleanse our conscience from dead works to worship the living God. For this reason, he is mediator of a new covenant, right? So, and we are promised our internal inheritance. So this is a much grander and greater sacrifice that he himself makes. And so this got me thinking about what it means to be a good parent, right? Of course, a good parent protects their five-year-old from touching the stove or stops their five-year-old from, you know, bonking their sibling on the head, right? So a good parent is sometimes like a cop in that sense that they are basically there to make sure bad things don't happen. Okay, we got that. That's pretty, at a very basic moral level, basic ethical level, um, basic parenting level, but it's, but important. Now we see all sorts of changes taking place um, in the, the New Testament. And it's not in these readings, but of course we know that Christ says that the, the new covenant is about loving your neighbor as yourself, loving God with your whole heart. So there is this idea of loving God with our hearts and loving others as we love ourselves. And so the idea here of Christ's whole message, his whole gospel message, is that our hearts are transformed, that we are transformed in an inner way. So I'm thinking from a developmental perspective in psychology, We're talking about a higher level of ethical decision-making. We're talking about a different level of development. So at least by adolescence, and by adolescence, we are able to suddenly, um, obviously we're developing our own identity during that time, but we're also able to start to truly empathize with other people. We're able to actually understand and want to know the real reasons for why something is right or wrong. So um, our perspective changes. And we see a lot of adolescents. It's exciting when we see adolescents take up some kind of cause, 
right? And actually stand up for something. Because now they're actually starting to believe things on their own and have convictions of their own. It's very exciting. And so here in the New Testament, Christ is literally giving up his life, right? In order to have this greater redemption, this greater eternal redemption. And he's doing that to show us what sacrifice really is. That it goes much further than, um, you know, killing an animal. So here we have to change our hearts to truly believe and have conviction, right? In terms of what is good. So our moral decision-making is not, I'm not going to bonk my sister on the head because I will get a spanking and be sent to my room. The moral decision-making here is that it's not good for her and I care for her and I, I want the good of others. I want my own good, but I also want to please God, right? My sense of justice is greater. I have a sense of justice that I want good in this world. I want good for others. I want good for society. I want good for my country. So all of a sudden, there's this greater sense that sacrifice is about going beyond oneself and also understanding the real reasons we make our decisions. And Christ himself sacrifices himself. Now that got me thinking, okay, there's that whole moral dimension and moral development dimension, but there's also the good parent. Because a, a good parent, if any of you that are listening are parents already, you probably know this, right? If you're not, then, then you'll, you'll understand my meaning, I think, as I explain it. Um, and it might help you. But parenthood changes a person. A person of goodwill, a person who is growing in holiness, is, it is changed. And most of us are changed by having children. Because all of a sudden, you care for this other person greater than yourself. And you would be willing to even sacrifice yourself for the good of this other person in a way that you've probably never experienced before in friendships, right? And, and even other family members. Like this child is suddenly uh, the most important person to you. And so a good parent is not getting their needs met primarily through the child. That's codependence. We've talked about it before in other uh, episodes of Be With The Word, what codependence and people-pleasing and all that. But a good parent actually loves their child so much that they're willing to sacrifice for them for their own good. So, of course, if the child is going to touch the stove, the parent stops them, right? Because they want their own good. But even more than that, as a child develops and grows and the child starts to see the parent actually sacrifices their own needs for the child, right? And that's actually a powerful example um, of sacrificial love, which is what Christ shows us. And so he literally says, right, in the Gospel of Mark, we have, while they were eating, so the apostles, he took bread and said the blessing, broke it, gave it to them and said, take it, this is my body. Then he took a cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And he said, this is my blood of the covenant, which it will be shed for many. And then they leave, they start singing hymns, they go off to the Mount of Olives, and we know what happens next. 
Christ literally sheds his blood for us on the cross and gives us this beautiful sacrament that we continue to celebrate as we experience him uh, over and over in his love. So I'd like to kind of leave you with this idea that when you're a child, you need to be punished sometimes. You, you're, the parent is, shouldn't be um, seeking suffering for their, for their child, but they need to sometimes be corrected. They need to be disciplined, and it's pretty black and white normally when they're really little. But as they grow up, they need to have a transformation of heart. Develop, for a conscience to truly develop, it can't just be a black and white decision all life for the rest of time. As an adult, you start making decisions, right, that are ethical, that are based on a conscience, that is not just a question of, is this good or bad, but I understand in deeper ways how it impacts others. So I, cho- I truly choose uh, uh, to love and to care and so on. And so we also understand <clears throat> that our heart changes. So I'd like to just circle back to something I mentioned at the very beginning before I close up. And that is that heart change. So many of us and many of my clients know kind of in their heads, yeah, God loves us and he sacrifices for us and he died on the cross for us. And they know all those facts. But deep down, there is this belief that I am bad. Uh, God will punish me at the quickest moment he can. And ultimately just wants to relegate me to suffering because that's ultimately what I deserve. Where does that come from? Why is that in the heart, even if the other stuff's in the head? So I think that's because developmentally sometimes we haven't gone from one stage to another. It might be that we never truly understood, you know, or had a really good example of that self-sacrificing love maybe through into adulthood to not really have it fully explained so that we understand decisions, that it isn't just fear-based and, and bad or good. Simply, it's about understanding the real reasons, right? We make the choices we make in our faith. And so what I'd like to think about there would be what is needed to teach the heart the truths that A, the heart, the person is loved by God and that that deep, deep love results in there being some kind of requirements or commandments or, you know, things that you just can't do, but that the heart knows that those prohibitions, so to speak, are come from love because, you know, your, your ultimate good is desired. Right. And so you choose to obey, so to speak. You choose to submit, so to speak. You choose to uh, embrace, better word, embrace those commandments because you know it's for your good, the good of others, and that'll ultimately lead to um, the building of the kingdom and a better world. And so that's, that's the big task. So in other words, I think it begins by seeing the example of Christ who sacrifices himself 
So I would ask you maybe this week in your meditation time, your prayer time, to really reflect on what it means to follow Christ. In other words, follow him into this upper room. Follow him into the room where he he brings out the bread and the wine and he says, this is my body. This is the blood of the covenant. And then follow him as he heads to Calvary and he literally gives himself. And realizing deep down in our hearts how much he loves us and wants us to be connected with him, but also wants our ultimate good like a good parent. And if that's really hard to do, maybe because we've had, we received um, poor parenting or mixed parenting, then it's going to be really important, I think, to allow God to be that new parent. You know, we sometimes in attachment theory, we can talk about an ideal parent, right? That maybe um, we, we can imagine and we can ask that ideal parent to be with us and we can connect with with the perfect parent that uh, really ultimately is God the Father, but that wants our good, that sees us, that delights in us, cares about us and doesn't want us to, to see us be harmed, which takes us back again, I'll see again from the psalm, precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his faithful ones. I am your servant. You have loosed my bonds. He cares deeply for what happens to us. All right, I'm going to wrap up there. I went a little longer than I've been trying to keep it under 20 minutes. I went a little longer today, um, but I missed you on last week. Um, hey, hope you are enjoying Be With The Word. I hope you're also enjoying Dr. Peter's podcast, Interior Therapist. He's got great topics going on over there. The... Um, uh, resilient Catholic community is is open uh, reopened to new members. I don't know if they're filled up yet or not, but you can check that out on soulsandhearts.com. I'm getting really excited to launch Catholic Journeyman. The uh, date for that launch is July 1st. So if you know some Catholic men that would really appreciate brotherhood and some mentorship and learning about um, you know how to overcome problems that most men face and deal with, Join me and others at Catholic Journeyman. You can also check us out on the website. Get more information there. All right. If you like this uh, podcast, please subscribe and like and share it and tell your friends and others about it. And uh, I hope you have a great blessed weekend and Sunday and following week. Until next time, be still, believe, and be loved. (laughs) 